Hey, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us here today at Bible Baptist Church Online. We're so excited that you've decided to join us, and we hope that today will be a help to you. And uh, we just want to be a blessing to you. We want to help you grow in your spiritual life. And uh, if we can do anything for you, I'll mention this later at the end, but uh, if we can do anything for you, you have any questions or comments or concerns, or you need to take the next step in your spiritual journey, then by all means, there's a Connect card link in the description. You can just go ahead and click on that and uh, fill that form out. Very small, very little, not a whole lot to do, but just fill that out. Let us know that how we can help you, and we would love to be able to do so. But if you would, please take your Bibles and go to Colossians chapter 2 this morning. Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to continue our series on being invested. And I hope you took the challenge last week and uh, told yourself no for a week. Um, I had the opportunity to do some things this week that, and told myself no and uh, was able to, uh, I feel, grow in my spiritual life because of what I did in replace of that. And so I hope you've taken that challenge. That's something that the Lord convicted me about. And so I hope you've taken that challenge as well. But as we're beginning to think through this, I want to ask you a question. How many of you would say that you care about what people think of you? How many of you would say that you care about what people think of you? Okay, I think a lot of times when we first hear this question, sometimes, uh, if we're honest, we have a little bit of a battle going on. Um, some of, most of us would want to say, no, no, I don't have, a, I don't have that problem. Um, I, don't, I do what I want to do. I, I try to do all the things that I uh, think I ought to do, regardless of what people think. But again, I just think if we're honest with ourselves, most of us would have to say, yes, to some extent, we do try to please those people that are around us. And if you could just follow me just for a second, I'll, I'll hope to explain this uh, a little bit. A as a child, we are taught to please um, people. We just are, okay? I remember growing up and, and my parents saying, hey, do this thing, and I do it to my children, right? Do it, uh, you know, sing happy birthday or sing Jesus loves me or something like that, right? It's to, to impress or please the people around us. And everybody claps, everybody laughs, everybody does all these wonderful things. We're the, we are taught, excuse me, uh, to make our parents happy at, at a young age. And I understand the Bible tells us that we ought to honor and obey our parents. I get that. But the reality is we are taught to please our parents. If our parents are unpleased with us, that's not a good thing, right? Like I've been in that situation several times. It is not a fun situation to be in, all right? We are taught to obey the teacher. We are taught to obey uh, the teacher in our classroom and do what he or she says. We are taught to act a certain way. Uh, in public so that people won't get upset at us. I remember my mom seeing another child uh, maybe throwing a fit in the store and saying, if you ever act that way, you are in so much trouble, okay? Again, that's to please, honestly, to please the people around us. <clears throat> so again, I am in no way trying to diminish, diminish this process, right? We, as we grow up, those are things that we have to do. And I'm, I'm not trying to say we shouldn't do those things. I'm just trying to get you to realize that as a whole, as we're growing up from an early age, we are taught to please people. I believe these, this process is completely and utterly necessary for us to have a thriving community and a society. But I do believe that some of us never truly grow out of this way of thinking. And I'll be honest with you, as I grew up, I didn't. Uh, I remember going into high school, 
and trying to please my teachers. I would do things that I wouldn't normally do um, based upon who I am, but I knew that it pleased my teacher. Okay, same into college. I would do things in college that I would go out of my way to please people. And again, I'm not trying to say those are bad things, but I honestly, I never grew out of that. When I came to this church, my goal was to please Pastor Stone, do all that I could to please him. Now, I'm sure there were times that I didn't. I'm sure there are times that I disappointed, but that was the goal. I was trying to please the church people, all of those different things. Here's the reality of the situation. The majority of the human life wants to go with the crowd. We want to live our lives pleasing people. We want everybody to think good of us. We want to be like everyone else. We want to be please people. A lot of times we will find a certain crowd that thinks like us, that, that talks like us and acts like us in order for us to be able to fit in completely. We, we want to fit in completely. And then, typical human behavior. This is just typical human behavior. We find that group of people, and what happens is anybody who disagrees with our group of people, we dismiss them as if they know nothing. Well, they don't know who we are. We, we, we diminish them to nothing by saying, who do they think they are? Come on, like, they, they don't know anything, and then we huddle ourselves together again for acceptance. We, don't, we, we enjoy uh, a, an echo chamber of people uh, telling us that we're good, that we're wonderful, that, that everything that we're doing is exactly right. We don't like anybody to think of us uh, indifferently. We want people to look at us with a great uh, view. And I'm the same way. I'm just, I'm just being so honest. I want people to look at me and go, what a wonderful guy. I remember in college, we would go to the laundromat. We had laundry at school, but we just wanted to get out, and so we'd go to the laundromat. And I remember holding the door for a lady, uh, an elderly lady, and she said, wow, what a nice young man. And that just, that lifts me up, right? And I'm not trying to say that that's bad. I'm just trying to say there are things that I did to please people. We do. But there has to come a point where we have to stop pleasing people. We often, all of us, want to go with the crowd. We all want to go with the crowd. We want to do what the crowd is doing. I'll give you a quick example that I thought was hilarious. We were at Shaw's uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, they have arrows on the ground, like everywhere does now, and it just kind of shows the lines and where you should go. So everyone, when we, we walked up to the line, everyone was, was on the wrong arrows, okay? So they were going the opposite way of the arrows, okay? They were going the wrong way. So my wife decided that she was going to rectify it. She was going to fix it. And I, I'm, I was just like, you know what? I'm just not causing any problems today. I'm just going to go in line. Part of it was like, I want to save our spot in line as well. Okay, so my wife decided she's going to change it. And so she started a new line going the right way. It's so, this was so funny to me. As soon as we get in the line, we're looking at each other like, what are you doing? Right, like just, just come over here. She's like, nope, this is the right spot. Some people come in behind and they get behind my wife. Okay, and she's all, you know, like, ha, I'm changing this, right? 
And then all of a sudden, they start looking around like, what in the world's going on here? And because everybody, listen to this, because everybody was doing the same thing, they left the correct line, which was my wife, and they came behind me and all got in the wrong line. I just was like, wow, people cannot stand being out of the norm. They want to go with the crowd. So they started off behind my wife, and they ended up doing the wrong thing because everyone else was doing it. This happened time and time again. And finally, so it happened two or three times. Finally, one of the employees came out and said, can everybody just move over and get on the right arrows so that we, there's no more confusion? And my wife looked at me and just smiled, and I thought, wow, my wife, I love my wife. I honestly love that she was willing to take a stand for the right thing, as small as that is. I just thought it was so funny that people will do the wrong thing visibly just to stay in the crowd. But this is how we live our lives. We will often follow the crowd. We typically do what everyone else is doing. Hear me, whether right or wrong. doesn't matter what's right or wrong. But very few of us find out for ourselves what actually is the right thing to do. Okay, so we're, fo- we're busy following the crowd, whether right or wrong, we have no idea. But very few of us will try to take the time to find out what is right and what is wrong. You know what we call this? We call this going with the flow, right? That's what we all do. Hey, just go with the flow, man. Don't be abrasive. Don't, don't be contradictory. Just go with the flow. Now, can I maybe inform you of something? God doesn't necessarily call us to go with the flow. There are times, I'm just going to be honest with you, that the popular culture is Christian, right? I mean, we look at our North American society, and for many, many years, the, the popular culture was Christian. Maybe not to the extent that God would like, but the reality is it was popular to be a Christian. You think about Rome and Constantine. Constantine declared it illegal to not be a Christian, right? I mean, that was, that was a Christian society. And now again, those are not perfect, those are not wonderful, but I'm just saying there are times where going with the flow is okay. But there are other times that the popular culture is anti-Christ. It is against Christ. So our responsibility, listen, our responsibility is not <clears throat> to do what is popular, but our responsibility is to find out what is right and do it. It's not to go with the flow, but it's to find out what's right and do it, regardless of what the culture is doing. So I want to preach to you a message this morning that I've simply entitled, Increasing Investments. Increasing Investments. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get into Colossians chapter 2. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all you've done for us. Father, we love you so much. We're so thankful for the opportunity that you've given us to, to serve you. But Father, so often we're too busy being distracted, looking somewhere else, and not raising you up on high. Father, would you please help us? Would you please help us to be all that we are to be? Help us not just to go with the flow, but help us to live our lives for you. Father, we love you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians chapter 2. Let's take a look in verse 16. We finished off in verse 15 last week. And if I can, I'll just read verse 15 for you because it it just refers, okay? The Bible says in verse 15, And having spoiled principalities and powers, 
he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it, okay? So he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the wonder of Jesus, how awesome, how powerful Jesus is. And then in verse 16, I want you to notice, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Verse 17, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in the voluntary humility and worshiping of angels and intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. This to me is somewhat of a confusing passage. And maybe to you, but I hope if you'll just take some time with me this morning, we'll walk through this and I hope I can give you some application from this passage increasing investments. How are we going to increase our investments? How are we going to do this properly? Well, we talked about being distracted and not being distracted and how it's, how it's something so important that we keep our eyes and our focus on the Lord. But first of all, this morning, number one, I want you to see very simply that we need to magnify the Lord. We need to magnify the Lord. There's an old song, oh, magnify the Lord with me and bless his holy name. This is a wonderful thought, and so I want you to think about it. Verse 19 shows us a little bit from a contrasting view, but it shows us what we ought to be doing. In verse 19, it says, and not holding the head. Okay, So this person, in verse 18, is not holding the head up. He's not magnifying the head, and so uh, Paul is warning us of this. And so if I can be uh, so bold as to reverse this and say we must be holding up the head of Jesus Christ, the head of the church, and so we must be magnifying the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, the Bible says this, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all, listen, to the glory of God of God. Do all to the glory of God. So every single thing that we can do, we are to do all to the glory of God. Everything. Everything that we do. Listen, we, we do, we take this verse and we think about it, we think, wow, that's a good principle to live by. But let me ask you this question. How often do we actually live this principle out? Okay, sitting where you are today, can you ask yourself, am I doing all to the glory of God right where I'm sitting? Some of you may ask, well, what does that mean? We're going to work through that today. What does it mean to do, give God the glory in all things? Well, let's, let's take a, a few passages here. Let's go to Psalm chapter 34. Psalm chapter 34 in verse 1. Psalm 34 in verse 1. Psalm 34 in verse 1, the Bible says this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Think about that. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. Verse 2. My soul shall not make her boast in the Lord. The humble 
shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I want you just to think about that. Think about what this means, and if we all did this, <clears throat> blessing the Lord at all times, praising him, my soul shall make her boast of the Lord, not in myself, in the Lord, and I'm going to magnify the Lord. I'm going to lift him, his name on high. I'm going to exalt him. I'm going to lift him up. Listen, the very reason we are on this earth, hear me, is to glorify God. Listen, if, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you're wondering, why in the world am I even here? I want, you, I want to give you the answer to that. To glorify God. Revelation chapter 4 tells us this, that we are here. Everything was made for his glory. Because of what God has done here in Colossians chapter 2, from verse, really from verse 1 all the way down through, up until this point, because of how awesome God is, because of how amazing God is, because he has, again, as we saw in verse 15, has spoiled principalities and powers because he has triumphed over them, because he is the victor. Because of all of these things, guess what we ought to do? We ought to magnify the Lord. We ought to lift his name on high. We ought to hold him up as the head of the church. We should lift up his name. In Psalm chapter 34, we should exalt his name. The Bible says that at the name of Jesus, guess what? Every knee should bow. And it also says that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Guess what? To the glory of God the Father. Isn't that amazing? So every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to fast that Jesus is Lord. Why? For the glory of God. Everything that Jesus did was for the glory of his Father. And so likewise, everything that we ought to do ought to be for the glory of Jesus Christ who gives all the glory to God. And it's, they're all three in one. Jesus Christ, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. So we ought to be giving glory to God in everything that we do. He, he is everything. He is our everything. And so we ought to magnify him. Let me, let me be very honest with you and very, ask you a very honest question. Is God everything to you? Or is he just a part of your life? Is he everything to you or is he just a part of your life? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 10, the Bible says this, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which uh, live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Let me just explain what that means. This is so powerful. The reality of, this, of the situation is this, that we ought to die to ourselves, as we talked about last week, that Jesus might be seen through us. That word manifest means to, means to make appear, to show forth. Again, if you will, magnify the Lord. He ought to be living through us. People ought not to see John Yeomans. People ought not to look at John Yeomans and go, wow, what a nice young man. They ought to see John Yeomans and see Jesus Christ. They ought not to see me at all. I ought to magnify the Lord. So let me again ask you something. Are you holding up Jesus Christ? Are you magnifying him? Is he everything to you? Is, is, when people look at you, are they seeing Jesus Christ? 
We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the church's response to the government. We talked about the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. And guess what? Just, just, this is so, so powerful. The, the, the reality is the church is not this building. The church is every individual that is called out. That's who the church is. And so we have this responsibility to uphold and magnify the Lord and be the pillar and ground of the truth on an individual basis. We all have the opportunity and responsibility to magnify the Lord, hold him up, glorify Christ. That's the first thing. Now you might be asking, all right, Pastor Yeomans, how in the world does this happen? Let me first ask you, does this happen by accident? Do we magnify God by accident? Again, if you're honest, no way. You cannot magnify God by accident. You just stumble into it. This is, does not come naturally to us. It doesn't. What comes naturally to us is doing our, our own thing, fulfilling our flesh, magnifying us, right? Like I just was talking about. Everybody looking at us go, wow, what a wonderful young man. We don't just waltz into it. We have to be, listen to this, we have to be intentional. Intentional. So how? How do we magnify God? How do we magnify the Lord and bless his holy name? I want you to see number two. Number two is very simply this. Comprehend his will. Comprehend his will. How in the world are we going to magnify God if we have no idea what he wants? If we have no idea how to magnify him, if we have no idea how to lift him up. So let's take a look at verse 16. The Bible says this, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Verse 17, watch this now, which are a shadow of things to come, but the bodies of Christ. Okay? hopefully break this down for you. There are all kinds of things that we are, quote, allowed to do. All kinds of things that we are allowed to do. Okay? In this particular passage, we see eating, drinking, respecting a holy day, respecting the new moon, respecting Sabbath days. Okay? These, all of these things are not inherently good and they're not inherently evil. Okay? They're just Certain things that we're allowed to do, eat, drink, okay? Not necessarily good, not necessarily evil, okay? This verse is basically referring to the fact that these things are not good or evil. Look at the verse again. It says, let no man therefore judge you in meat, okay? So what you decide to do when you're eating, when you're drinking, what you decide to do in respect of a holy day, or if you respect the new moon, or if you respect the Sabbath day, what you decide to do, don't let anybody judge you to that fact. And if you want to, we won't take the time today, but if you want to take the time, go to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14 talks much about eating, drinking, new moons, uh, certain days, holy days, all of these things. Okay, but what, here's what I want to get across to you this, this morning. Here's the reality. These things, all these things that this verse mentions, are things where the, that the Pharisees we're absolutely and utterly concerned about. Okay, so these things are not inherently good or inherently evil. But these are the things that the Pharisees were concerned about. But here's the deal. 
we, like the Pharisees, can get so caught up in doing something, hear me, that we forget why we're doing them. We get so caught up in doing something that we forget why we're doing them. Let me give you a for instance. Okay? As you look at the Pharisees, they were so uh, dogmatic about washing your hands. It was a law to wash your hands before you eat. Uh, uh, keeping the Sabbath day. And, and all of these different things, dressing a certain way, not eating with certain people, not spending time with certain people, all these different things that they were so passionate about. You can take the time and go through the Gospels and see some of that. But Jesus says to them, you by your tradition have made the commandments of God of none effect. So what they were doing was they were following their tradition and doing all of these things, but they had forgotten why they were doing them. Okay? And you say, Pastor Jones, how are you getting this? I want, I want you to see verse 17 again. Verse 17, just the first part of the verse. These things which he says in verse 16, which are a shadow of things to come. I just want you to stop there and think about a shadow. Is a shadow a real thing? Sure. Is a shadow a reflection of the real thing? No, it's not. It's not. It's, it's just an outline. It's just the out, outer edge, if you will. Right? It, doesn't, it doesn't give us any details. If you look at my shadow, you would never know what my face looks like. You could just get the outline of who I am. I want you to understand the things that God has given us in the law, the things that God has commanded us to do, listen, those things are a shadow of things to come. They point people to Christ. If I can, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1 tells us that the law, the Old Testament law, was a shadow of things to come. In Galatians, it tells us that it was to point people to Christ. We'll look at that in just a second. The reality is this. There are several things that we can do that are good to do. They're great. Why? Because they point us to Christ. For instance, prayer. Man, we stand up here all the time and we tell people, pray, 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 pray. And that's a wonderful thing to do. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of times we pray and forget why we're doing it. Okay? Bible reading. Man, our, our church puts out every week on Facebook just a, a very short, for the record, very short Bible reading schedule. Okay? And, and we'll look at that and we'll think, yeah, I, I'm going to read my Bible because why? Everybody else is doing it? Sometimes we just do these things and forget why we're doing them. Now let me ask this. Can you do those things and get closer to Christ? Absolutely. Can you do those things and not get closer to Christ? Again, absolutely. I want, I want you to go over to Galatians chapter 3 with me. Galatians chapter 3. Look with me in verse 1. The Bible says this, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath evidently set forth, crucified among you. Like, who's blinded you? Verse 2, this only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish? 
having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? So Paul's like, are you guys kidding me? You, you, you decide that you're going to start something in the Spirit, and then you want to perfect it by doing it through the flesh. Listen to me. We do this all the time. All the time. I'm just, from, from a church leadership perspective, we start something new. Let's just, just hear me out. Okay, we start something new. We've prayed about it. We've sought the Lord about it. We've spent a great deal of time wondering, thinking, uh, uh, praying, trying to have the Spirit of God moving through us. We have the first week. Things go really well. God is moving. We're totally dependent upon God. And just hear me. This is what we do. We start analyzing it, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. But somewhere in, in that process, we forget and we quit praying about it. We get seeking God about it. And before long, what the Spirit has moved us to do, we're trying to perfect through the flesh. Oh, foolish Galatians. Oh, foolish Bible Baptist Church. The reality here is this. We start things in the Spirit, and then we try to finish them in the flesh. This is not how we must comprehend Christ. It's just a shadow of things to come. This is, this is what I think is most, uh, most terrible about Christianity. Is we have given the world a shadow. We've given the world a shadow of Christ. When in reality they ought to be seeing Christ. We've given them a form of godliness, but denying the power therein. Now I want you to go back to Colossians. This is powerful to me. Go back to Colossians. Look at the end of verse 17. The Bible says this, which are a shadow of things to come. Okay, shadow is the outline. But the body, but the body is of Christ. Okay, so I, I have a shadow up here right now with the lights. It's just a shadow. It's just an outline. But there is something physical. There is something real. There is something that fills in the outline. And guess what that is? That's my body. Here it is in verse 17. The body is of Christ. So people ought not to see the shadow of things to come. They ought to not to see our, our, our works. They ought to see our good works, which, by the way, our good works cannot be done in the flesh. Good works, only good comes from Jesus Christ. Good must be done through Christ. They must see Christ in us. The body is the possession of Christ. Look at it. But the body is of Christ. That's the genitive case. Genitive means possession. The body is in the possession of Christ. Christ ought to possess each of us. And you say, Pastor Jones, that's kind of scary. Possession. No, listen. He ought to control us. We ought to do everything through him. I mean Everything. I mean absolutely everything, whether therefore we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, do all to the glory of God. So important. Why? Because Jesus Christ needs to be seen. We ought not to be a shadow. Well, I get up every morning, Pastor Owens, and I pray, and, and you know, I'm in church every time the doors are open. You, I mean, you fill in the blanks of all the things that we've heard, but the reality is those are just a shadow. They're just an outline. 
if we are going to truly and fully know Christ, we must comprehend his will. We must act like him. We must be like him. And the only way we're going to find that out is by understanding who he is, by being his body. Consulting him in everything. Again, I mean everything. The reality is this. There are very, excuse me, there are many of us that don't ask God's advice on anything except for when we're in a storm or in a, in a time of trouble or we have to make a big decision, okay? As a teenager, right? God, where am I supposed to go to college? Big decision, right? We'll consult God. Uh, uh, God, who am I supposed to marry? Uh, God, we're having trouble with our, our child. We, we need your help. Listen, we, we rarely ever consult God in any other thing other than a big decision. How about, uh, this sounds crazy. My father-in-law always used to say, I pray about what I'm going to wear for that day. I pray about what way I'm supposed to go to work. Listen, to me, as a, as, a, as a teenager, as a college student, I thought that was absolutely crazy. But the more I realize this, in everything, we ought to be doing the will of God. We must comprehend his will. How are we going to do that? By asking him about everything. God, I'm going to work today. Which way would you like me to take? God, what words would you like me to speak today? God, uh, this coworker just blew up at me. Help me to say the right things. I mean, every detail of every day. Why? Because we need to magnify the Lord. We ought not to be showing a shadow. Hey, coworker, I, I prayed today. I read my Bible, but you just blew up at me, so I'm going to blow up at you. Listen, completely wrong. We're not magnifying the Lord. If we are going to magnify the Lord, then we must comprehend his will for every area of our lives. Listen to me. Don't just blow by that statement. It's easy too. If we are going to magnify the Lord, then we must comprehend his will for every area of our lives. Every. Just seriously, let that, that sink in. It has to be every area. We can't have certain pockets where we don't. We can't have certain areas where we just do our own thing. It must be every area if we're going to magnify the Lord. How else are we going to magnify the Lord? Number three, I want to show you, fortify your faith. Fortify your faith. Look with me in verse 18, if you would. The Bible says, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Very simply, don't let someone talk you out of your reward. Again, let no man beguile you of your reward. Don't let someone talk you out of your reward. Don't let someone try to get you to pursue something other than God. Even if it's a good thing. I want you to look at these things. They're good things. They're in inherently good. The Bible talks about them in a positive light. Look, voluntary humility. Okay? The Bible talks about humility all over the place. We must be humble. Jesus is lowly in heart. Right? I mean, there's a humility that we ought to have. Look, the other thing here is angels. Angels are awesome beings. God talks about them in a great light. They're the messengers of God. They're powerful. They're amazing. They're, they're beautiful. But here's the reality of these things. 
these done the wrong way are for the praise of men. Okay? Voluntary humility to the person who's beguiling you and worshiping angels. Should we worship angels? No, we shouldn't. You can read, read if, you, if you read verse 18, jump down even into verse 19. Uh, end of verse 18, it says, vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind. So he's asking you to voluntarily uh, humble yourself to him in his way of thinking. And worship angels. Verse 19, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands have nourishment, ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of the body. Verse 20, wherefore if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are ye subject to ordinances? Why are you being subject to somebody who has no idea what he's talking about? Talks about verse 22, after the commandments and doctrines of men. Okay? There's all these types of people, hear me please. There are all types of people that are trying to manipulate us and, and work against God and, and cause us to worship something other than God. Even verse 23, look at verse 23. Which things have indeed a show of wisdom. They look like this is a wise thing to do. But guess what? At the end of that verse, it says they only satisfy the flesh. They only satisfy the flesh. So they look wise. It looks like I'm doing the right thing. It looks like I'm going the right way. But all it does is satisfy my flesh. Beware. Okay? Let's go to Ephesians, please. And I hope to bring this all to a conclusion here shortly. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, the Bible says this, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Watch, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Just protruding, oozing out Christ. Why? Verse 14. That we henceforth, from this time forward, be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Watch this. By the slight or the deceitfulness of man and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. I wish I had more time, honestly. This is so powerful, but the reality is this. Please hear me. We have the responsibility, we have the opportunity to increase in the body, to get a, a, all that we can of God and be anchored to him, to fortify our faith in him and make increase in the body. So don't let anyone, anyone, let me say it again, don't let anyone, including me, deceive you from following God. Listen to me. The, the, the Bereans searched the scriptures daily, and that was Paul preaching to them. I challenge you, and I will always say this, I believe, 
fact, if I stop saying it, somebody ought to raise a red flag, but if I say anything that contradicts the scripture, then you get to throw it out. I do not want to deceive you from following away from God. You must understand who God is. Don't let anyone deceive you. Don't let the the preacher on YouTube, don't let the televangelist, don't let uh, somebody that you respect highly deceive you from walking with God and fulfilling his will for your life and magnifying the Lord in your life. Don't let him. Because that's what happens is then we're tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. We call it the flip-flop effect. Just constantly going back and forth. Judge everything. Hear me. Judge everything by the word of God. Fortify your faith. Why do you believe in salvation? By faith through, uh, through Jesus Christ. Why do you believe that? Why do you believe that we ought to come to church? Why do you believe that we ought to study the Word of God? Why do you believe all of these different things we must know by the Word of God? Search the Scriptures daily. We Often we want to know how to become a good investor in the kingdom of God, right? That's, that's the whole goal of this. We want to know how to become a good investor into the kingdom of God. Well, let me go back to Colossians Colossians chapter 2. I want you to see again in verse 19. Again, this is a, a, a opposite view, but I believe the contrast applies. And not holding the head, watch, the head, from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment, ministered and knit together, watch this now, increaseth with the increase of God. There's two things in this passage, reward and increase. When I'm investing, guess what I want? Badly. I want a reward and I want increase. Reward and increase are both tied to God. They're both tied to God. And when we magnify the Lord, when we comprehend his will, and we fortify our faith in him, guess what? We begin increasing our investments begin to increase. We begin increasing in the will of God. We begin laying up our treasure in heaven. This is just, it just happens. So let me ask this question. We want to know how to increase our investments in the kingdom of God? Search the scriptures. Find out what God wants you to do through the scriptures. Even more practic- practical. We want to know how to be a good husband or a good wife? Guess what? Search the scriptures. We want to know how to handle our finances? Search the scriptures. We want to know how to be a good child? Search the scriptures. Listen, the list could go on and on and on and on. If we're going to magnify the Lord, we must comprehend his will by searching the scriptures. If we're going to magnify God by fortifying our faith, we must fortify it through the scriptures. Search them, but don't just search them. Guess what? Do them. When you find out something that you're supposed to do to be a good husband, do it. Study it out. Do it. And then finally, you will see the increase. The increase of God. So here's my very practical application for this week. And I've enjoyed this for my own life. So here it is. In addition this week to telling yourself no, I do challenge you to tell yourself no again this week. 
use some of the time that you've told yourself no about. Maybe for, for me, it's probably watching too many hunting videos on YouTube. Okay? I'm going to use that time to study one thing. Listen, study one thing that will help you increase your investment. Okay, so you're going to have to tell yourself no and use that time to increase your investment, okay? So for me, it might be to study how to be a better husband this week, how to be a better father, how to be a better pastor, how to use my time more wisely, how to use my finances more wisely. I'm going to take some time this week and study one thing that will increase my investment. Hear me, that will help me become more like Christ, which will inevitably magnify him. I want to comprehend the will of God. I want to fortify my faith around him in one, one area this week so that I can magnify the Lord. Listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior today, then by all means, you need to know that. You cannot magnify the Lord if you, do not, if you don't have him. And while I would love to help you and explain that to you, maybe a phone call or, or some way, I would love to be able to help you understand who Jesus Christ is and your need of him. Not just want, not just a part of your life, but entirely consuming you, Jesus Christ. I'd love to be able to help you with that. If you do have questions, by all means, reach out to us. Let us know. For the rest of us, I think it's time that we started magnifying the Lord. I think it's time that we started holding up the head of Jesus Christ, being that pillar and ground of the truth individually. So let's pray and ask God to help us with that. Father, thank you so much for this day, for the opportunity that you've given us. Father, we fail in so many ways. We are so just sinful. We live our lives the way that we want to and we magnify our flesh. Father, please convict us. Father, I pray that for me just this week that you would convict me when I lift up my flesh instead of lifting up you. Convict me and help me to change it. Father, for the rest of us that hear this message, would you please help us to do the same? Father, we'll give you the, we will, we will. I, I have to give you the honor and glory for it. Father, we pray all these things in your name. I'm going to ask you just to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And where you sit today, I'm going to ask you, please, please make some sort of decision. Decide today that one thing this week. Name it to God. Write it down, the thing that you're going to study. Get your Bible out and study what God wants you to do in one area of your life. Increase your investment. I'm going to give you some time right now to make a decision for God.